Part three of Beckside Lights by John Ackworth. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Leia's Lover, Chapter Two, The Course of True Love. Now the word like has undergone a curious reversal or intensification of meaning in its use amongst Lancashire villagers, especially compared with the stronger word love. The natural reticence of the North countryman leads him to avoid the use of love whenever possible, and in Lancashire, like, the weaker word, has come to be most commonly used about amatory matters, and expresses the strongest possible affection. When, therefore, Mrs. Barber employed this term about her daughter's sentiments towards Luke Yates, there was no room for doubt as to what she meant by it, and if there had been, Mrs. Ben's manner as she made the statement with which the last chapter closed removed any such possibility. Poor Ben was simply overwhelmed. Amazement, alarm, and profound perplexity took possession of him, and he sat upright in his chair and stared blankly before him in the uttermost consternation. It was the last thing in the world he would have expected, so wildly improbable in fact, that even if his wife had stated it to him under any other circumstances, he would have laughed at its utter absurdity. He reflected also when he recovered a little from his first amazement on what he knew of the quiet intensity underlying the surface stillness of his eldest daughter's nature, and did not need to be told that if such an affection had really taken possession of her, neither her own judgment nor any other influences in the world whatsoever would upset it. But a union between Lear and Luke was an utter impossibility. They had not a single thing in common, were in fact at extreme opposites in almost all their tastes and sympathies, and how Leah had ever brought herself to give a second thought to such a wild scapegrace he could not imagine. Besides, what would people think? The utter incongruity of the thing would only make it the more exciting and interesting as a subject of gossip and Ben already heard the rasping voice of Jabe uttering choice pieces of crabbed sententious philosophy on his favourite subject, the ways and wiles of women. These and many other like thoughts rushed through the slow-moving mind of the carpenter with most unwanted rapidity, and the more he thought, the more entangled and terrible did the dilemma appear, and at length he turned his eyes back upon his wife and gazed at her with helpless stupidity but mrs ben was almost as dumbfounded as her husband and returned his stare with her round face longer than ben had ever seen it and a look of appealing helplessness in her eyes that went to his very heart at length to break a silence which was fast becoming unbearable he stammered out that dreaming woman oh, i wish to god i were was the reply in a wailing tone that drove the iron deeper into ben's soul ah funny tart I were going past her chamber door, and I heard her praying, and oh, if I had heard her, Ben, and the distressed mother broke into sobs that nearly drove Ben wild. The parents sat up long that night, talking in fitful snatches of their trouble, and at length Ben took off his Sunday coat, and dropping down in front of his armchair, began the usual evening prayer. Like many other such petitions, it had become of late years almost entirely an intercession for the children, who were named to God in turn. But to-night, when Ben came to his firstborn, and had stammered out, An heavenly father, bless thee, 
he broke down and the two knelt sobbing together on the hearthstone with their newest sorrow weighing heavily on their hearts it goes without saying that neither the carpenter nor his wife slept much that night for added to all the other difficulties of the case was the fact that they were both somewhat afraid of their quiet daughter and neither could see how they were going to approach her on the subject well there's one consolation said mrs ben as they were dressing in the morning what's that who may break her hurt about it but who'll ne'er marry him if he isn't religious but ben though not so quick and observant as his wife had a deeper knowledge of his daughter's nature and remarked harley is the sort as'll marry a chap to save him ay if who deed for it the sigh with which mrs ben responded spoke more eloquently than words could do of her entire endorsement of ben's opinion now that it had been placed before her and the two left their bedroom to face the battle of life encumbered by a very heavy anxiety they struggled hard to keep up appearances especially before leah and she going about her duties as usual though they watched her with love's keen closeness gave not the slightest sign that anything was the matter but the shock of the discovery and the suspense together were telling very heavily on both the carpenter and his wife so much so that ben's looks and manner awakened the curiosity and concern of the clogger and placed ben in an awkward dilemma if he went to the clog shop he was in momentary dread of a straight question which he could not evade and if he stayed away it was absolutely certain that jabe would come in search of him and institute rigorous inquisition the clogger was already in a state of most restless curiosity though there was no evidence that he had any suspicion of the cause any hour however he might take it into his knotty old head to put ben through a searching cross-examination or to sound mrs ben on the cause of her husband's depressed and sickly look to add to ben's distress his wife began to press him to speak to leah about the matter and though at first he nearly lost his temper and utterly refused to do anything of the kind yet the growing restlessness of the mother and his own anxieties compelled him to admit that the thing must be done somehow then he delayed and postponed the terrible task on the ground of lack of proper opportunity every time being the wrong time when a chance of unusual favourableness presented itself he got so very flurried and hastened from leah's presence so abruptly as to make the quiet maiden open her eyes in momentary surprise but leah was too much occupied with her own affairs to give much thought to her father her heart was fighting a severe battle with her principles and giving her an altogether uncomfortable time ever since that sad sunday she had been reproaching herself not for dismissing her clandestine lover but for not giving him his congé more kindly she could never admit in her most secret heart that there was any excuse for luke's conduct but she began to remind herself that he had had a harsh stepfather and a sickly mother who had now been dead for some two years and that since then he had lived in lodgings it had only been by a dogged pertinacity which would not be rebuffed that her lover had got on even speaking terms with her since they had been grown up and then luke though disreputable was very popular somehow with the young women of the village and might have had many a girl whom she knew besides 
there must be some good somewhere in a lad who gave such a decided preference to a quiet religious girl like herself altogether leah's mind was greatly disturbed and to make matters worse luke the irrepressible who could not be snubbed or shaken off either by coldness or ill-treatment had taken her at her word for the first time and was keeping carefully out of the way and worst of all he had never been to chapel since the day he was expelled from the school twice indeed she had seen him pass the house but he never even turned his head that way one evening about this time she was sitting in the parlour skinning rhubarb for rhubarb wine and meditating abstractedly on her peculiar situation when the front door opened and in stepped her father now ben had told himself twenty times that all he needed was a proper opportunity of speaking with his daughter and that the fates were most strangely against him nevertheless when he thus came suddenly upon a chance that was unexceptionable his heart dropped into his clogs and he would doubtless have retreated but for the fact that it seemed difficult to do so without appearing remarkable and so after a guilty start and a moment of hesitation he sauntered awkwardly into his chair and took refuge in his pipe it was providence there was nothing for it but to have it out with leah but when whilst he was still meditating how to begin sally meadows one of leah's fellow sunday school teachers opened the front door and asked leah to go for a walk ben became quite earnest in urging her to accept leah quietly excused herself however and ben sank back into his chair with a faint look of disappointment and even irritation on his face a minute or two later leah opened the front door to relieve the air of the room and ben got up a little debate with himself as to whether it would be proper to discuss such delicate matters as were in his mind with an open door but he could not quite convince himself that the interview ought to be postponed and so after fidgeting in his chair and furtively eyeing leah over until he had taken a complete inventory of her garments he finally coughed cleared his throat turned his head round and glanced uneasily through the window and then commenced thou looks badly wench art na weel yea i'm right enough answered leah composedly but with an alert little glance at her father out of the corner of her eye then thou must be in love i started a courtin ben said this with an attempt at jocularity but a slight choking sound in his throat betrayed him to leah's anxious ears and in a moment her white face had become a rich crimson she felt she was blushing and betraying herself which only made the colour deepen on her face and neck and she made a feeble little effort to save herself hey feyther how you talk you mak me go red we're the smoke there's fear said ben still keeping up a show of fun but with strange nippings about the heart leah started to her feet with confusion and fear another moment and she would have to choose between an impossible falsehood and an equally impossible confession the picture she had conjured up in her mind of her father's horror if ever he discovered to whom she had given her heart filled her with dismay there was nothing for it but to flee in another moment she would have been safe in her bedroom but ben suddenly crossed the floor dropped heavily into the mother's chair by her side and faltered out leah my hurt tells me there's the summat wrong now nah, what is it wench what is it 
Leah worshipped her father, and this unwanted tenderness in his tone moved her profoundly. She went white to the lips, gasped a little for breath. Her head fell on her heaving bosom. She began to pick nervously at the hem of her apron, but never a word could she get out. Ben, with shaking hand, laid down his pipe, drew his chair nearer to hers, and Leah trembled to feel her father's arm slowly stealing round her slim waist. Lancashire folk are always very sparing of caresses and tender words, and Leah never remembered her father treating her like this before. She struggled feebly to escape, but he held her tight, drew her still closer to him, and then murmured, Oh, I dunno want to meddle thy nose, but that to lead to me een wench. What's up with thee? A convulsive shudder went through Leah's frame. She made a supreme effort, turned her face, white but resolute, to her father, and looking him full in the face, said, Feyther, I'm never going for to marry, never, so dunna fret about me. And then, with a sudden wrench, she tore herself from her father's grasp and fled to her own little bedroom. Ben heaved a great sigh, fell back into his chair, and groaning, Lord, help us, closed his eyes in troubled reflection. He had got more out of his daughter than he expected, and what he had learnt confirmed his worst apprehensions. Just at that moment he heard the garden gate click, and a limping footstep come up the garden. Then the door opened, and Jabe, looking very resolute and aggressive, stepped across the threshold. "'Oh, that here, Arter. What art mopes in if house for?' he demanded, glaring fiercely at his friend. But Ben only handed the tobacco-box, and sat staring before him. Jabe suspected that Ben's continued depression had a financial origin, and he glanced round the room and through the door into the kitchen in search of Mrs. Ben, who was always his chief supporter in his periodical attacks upon the carpenter for allowing people to get into his debt. But his ally was nowhere to be seen, and Jabe was constrained to go to the battle alone. After puffing away in grim silence for a few moments, staring hard the while at a fancy shoe-horn hanging at the side of the mantelpiece, he demanded, without deigning to turn his head, "'How long is it since Jerry Mopper paid thee out?' Saturday was all the response Ben gave. "'How much does that leave?' "'Nout.' Jabe turned his head half round for a moment, and an expression of surprise escaped him, and then he relapsed once more into an earnest contemplation of the shoe-horn. If Jerry Mopper had at last paid off his long-standing account, Ben could not be troubled about finances. But Ben had never before even attempted to conceal any other of his troubles from him. His curiosity increased, and with it came a feeling of resentment, softened by a vague apprehension of some unknown calamity impending over the barbers. And so the two sat in silence, each apparently oblivious of the other's presence, Ben longing to unbosom himself, and yet terrified at the thought of such a thing, and Jabe, piqued, puzzled, and increasingly uneasy at his friend's most unusual manner. The silence continued, and the shoehorn would have blushed if it could under the fierce annihilating stare of the clogger. At last, however, Jabe could hold no longer, and rising to his feet, still glaring at the shoehorn, he cried with scornful sarcasm, 
there's ta much naze here for me or go where it's quieter and with his nose very high in the air he stalked stiffly out of the house left to himself ben was more miserable than ever and though he followed the clogger after a while to the shop and tried to atone for his conduct by taking some interest in the conversation yet being compelled to leave early lest jabe should reopen the inquisition he went away feeling that for the first time for nearly thirty years a shadow had come between him and his old friend several weeks passed after this and still there was no change in the situation except that luke the cause of all the trouble had removed to clough end to lodge although he still worked at the mill meanwhile leah went about her work just as usual but although ben noticed it and took it as a hopeful sign mrs ben's sharper eyes showed her that her daughter was still feeling her trouble she grew paler still and very nervous her mother would come upon her gazing out of the window with a painfully abstracted look and once she caught her hurriedly wiping her eyes anxious for her daughter's health mrs barber now began to invent errands for leah which would take her into the open air and comforted herself with the thought that it seemed like doing leah good one evening later in the summer leah had been sent to lambfold with a basket of fruit and eggs for her grandmother lambfold was on the hill on the other side of the beck and the road to it ran along shaving lane and over a plank bridge a quarter of a mile higher up the clough than the village the evening was soft and calm and leah as she returned was beginning to forget herself in the sweet stillness about her just as she had reached the home side of the plank a stick snapped just before her and lifting her head quickly she found herself face to face with luke who had evidently been crouched behind a gate-post and perhaps waiting for her leah started with a bitter cry and looked hastily about for a way of escape but luke was too quick for her and stepping between her and the little bridge effectually barred the passage in that direction a flash of haughtiness came into the girl's eyes and she lifted them to luke's face as if to annihilate him but luke's face was such a roguish laughing irresistible one and withal had at any rate such an appearance of open frankness that the moment her eyes and his met her anger began to fade and a helpless almost foolish feeling took possession of her what dost want she asked faintly as if out of breath want wench or want thee and then suddenly seeming to see more in his own words than he had intended he went on ay that's just what i do want to mak me a gradely mon if i had thee or could be a decent chap or could be a methody ay if i'd a mind that could mak me into a, a a cherubim and luke laughed at the unexpected brilliance of his own fancy there was a momentary pause and then leah said i hear that started a drinking luke seemed to be about to deny this but a second thought striking him he said and what if i have i've nowt else to do with me brass i've no warm to go to and no mother and no sister nor nobry quick stabs of pity and self-reproach picked at leah's tender heart she paused a moment to obtain control of herself and then she said as calmly as she was able if thou wants me where dost keep getting any such lumber lumber it's nowt but marlockin thou talks as if it were lying a thieving or summat 
and Luke put on an excellent imitation of injured innocence. Leah felt herself giving way, and taking alarm thereat, she said, "'I told thee many a time as I shanna marry anybody as isn't a Christian. I darna, if I wanted.' And now Luke seemed to be really annoyed. "'Aye,' he cried, "'if I'd start a sniggering and booing a fiddle-face, and going up to th' penitent form, that I me. "'Bud, Leah,' he cried, flaming up and looking really handsome, Leah thought in his indignation. "'O'd do for thee what I wouldna do for all the world beside. "'O'd work for thee, or slave for thee, or dee for thee, "'but I winna be hypocrite even for thee. "'If o'm ever converted, it'll be a gradely conversion. "'One as o' should be satisfied wi' mysel' and not a woman-catching dodge but leah scarcely heard the last sentences her woman's pride was touched and so drawing herself up with a look of proud disdain she asked in cold surprise what art bothering about then but luke's excitement had vanished as quickly as it came and dropping once more into his old wheedling tones the most dangerous of all his moods to leah he said earnestly Leah, I like thee that wheel. I'm fear to mysel'. When I see thee, I want to go right off to the penitent form to get thee, and that a be was no more. Leah, little, bonny, pretty Leah, tap me as I am. As Luke spoke and his passion increased, he drew gradually nearer to her, and as he finished, he suddenly raised his arms, and in another moment would have had her in his embrace but just then a couple of strollers came round the top corner of the lane and leah seeing them stepped back just in time as she thought to save appearances whilst luke suddenly checking himself and realising that he must not compromise his sweetheart in the eyes of the villagers jumped the hedge scudded off into the fields behind and was gone End of part three.